Hi, this is Savannah. And this is Brian from the Dorky Diva Show. And you're listening to Star Wars. The best place for below average Star Wars. Welcome to the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. I am the Jolly Jedi Pete, and I'm joined by Canon Junkie XL Ian and Jason Hondo Ling as we break down the season finale of season three of The Mandalorian and give our Mandalorian season three thoughts on a whole. First up, we'll go to you, Ian. Ian, how much did you love this season's Mandalorian? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was a. I enjoyed the finale for, for what it was. I, uh, I really enjoyed some of the things they did. And uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good, good season of the Mandalorian. Like I said, the first season will always still be my favorite, just because obviously it was new and all that. But no, I really, I really did enjoy uh, this season of the Mandalorian. Yeah, and uh, where they went within the finale and potentially what could be next. Jason, over to you. What were your first thoughts on the finale, and then obviously as the season as a whole as well? You know, as the finale went, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I always. Um, love anything that Filoni and Favreau do um, and I think the last episode was just full of um, lots of things that everyone wanted to see um, there was a few things that I thought might appear that didn't appear but that's not necessarily a bad thing um, so no overall and this series is took a different route I think from um, the previous seasons um, but I think Overall, it's building a bigger picture. Um, I've seen a lot of criticism about, um, you know, more of the um, Bo-Katan and stuff like that. But I think for me, that just means that the season, the series is getting bigger. Um, and it's not just about the one Mandalorian, which I think makes it even more exciting. Yeah, I think, you know, I think when this, you know, when the show first got announced, it was very much about, you know, it's going to be set. After Return of the Jedi and fill a gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, and you know, the told us it was going to sort of tell the story of the beginnings of the First Order, um, which, if you watch season one, um, doesn't really do that. But here we go, the show is finally fulfilling um, that synopsis that was given to us at, at the beginning. Uh, so, yes, it is different to season one, but you know, it's also a lot closer to the synopsis we were given at first than season one was. And you know, it's had to introduce some new characters, get us to know them. Now, obviously, it's weaving in, you know, um, the Imperial remnants. It's weaving in Bo-Katan, the future of Mandalore. Um, it's doing all that pretty well, I think. Um, let's just go over to you, Ian, first. Obviously, you know, there was a lot of um, big ideas, uh, a lot of thoughts going into the episode of what could happen. Will Thrawn turn up? Will somebody turn um, on the Mandalorians and be a spy from Moff Gideon? Obviously, we didn't really get that. Um, but for me, I thought the season finale as a whole was... An emotional roller coaster, as well as sort of an adrenaline rush of action. Um, what were your thoughts on maybe some of the things that you were expecting that we didn't get? And obviously, just your thoughts on how the episode went as a whole. Oh, so I was fully in the camp of all oh, the armor as a traitor. So I have to hold my hands up and say I got that wrong. I thought she was, but it turns out she wasn't. 
she uh she uh the scene where one of my favorite scenes is obviously on the, where they're all on the jetpacks with Bo-Katan like the Darksaber and all the Mandalorians go and battle the uh, Imperial jet trooper commandos that was a really uh that was a really cool moment and uh so I have to apologize for calling the armor a traitor and besmirching her honor for Mandalore that was a uh, my bad uh, I also had some theories about who would turn up, but they're just they're just fan theories and that, and they didn't pan out, which is good really, because sometimes I think episodes and that can be judged on what people expect rather than what they get, and because they expect something and they don't get it, they seem to think that's bad, but that's not the case. That's just how the story's unfolded. So I like that. Uh, like I said, yeah, the uh, the bit with the jetpacks was one of my favorite. I like the Praetorian guards. I like seeing uh, Moff Gideon's. Uh, clones, which I thought was super weird, but in a good way. It was very strange. They had that jump scare moment where uh, I knew one of their eyes was going to open. As soon as Grogu went near the tank, I knew one of their eyes was going to open. Yeah, that made me jump, to be fair. And uh, super excited. I'm, I'm excited to see where the story goes from here. It looks like, obviously, when he goes to the bar on Adelphi, I think that's where it is with Delphi Rangers, and says he wants to be a bounty hunter for the New Republic. And that I think that's them maybe potentially resetting the story of Din Djarin and maybe going back to like a first season vibe about it where he instead of just doing jobs for himself, he will take jobs to the New Republic and potentially hunt down Imperial Remnant. And that's how maybe we could get him in Ahsoka, helping Ahsoka find Thrawn and that type of thing. But no, super excited for that. And uh, yeah, just really happy to where the season goes. I didn't think we'd get a post-credit thing, but we didn't. I did look at the end, but no. So no, really excited. Uh, yeah, there was moments in it that was just made me like really happy, and that that's all I really asked. To be fair, yeah, I think post credits scene, I was expecting one as well. You know, I watched all the way through all the all of the credits that have the um, concept art, all the credits that didn't. And then Disney Plus has like the different the language thing, version yeah. credits. I watched through all them. Yeah. Obviously, we we didn't get that. Um, you know, I think I was calling everybody a traitor. I was saying, yeah. you know, Axe Wolves could be the traitor. I was saying, Armor could be the traitor. Those homeless Mandos who were the founder Mandalorian on Mandalore. I was calling them traitors. Obviously, it looks like none of them were, which is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, obviously, the episode when it was called The Return, I thought, oh, Thrawn's going to show up at the end because it's The Return. But um, it seems The Return was referencing perhaps more Mandalore and the Mandalorians returning to Mandalore um, and, and taking the planet back as a, as a whole, maybe. Um, Jason, obviously, what were some things that you were maybe had maybe thought could happen that didn't um and how do you feel about that not panning out yeah obviously like yourselves i was expecting the um end of um the little teaser at the end for what was to come and it didn't come and i thought actually that could be a master stroke um you know we we've now going to anticipate how the story of Ahsoka picks up from where we've left Mandalorian. Um, obviously, we know that Thrawn is the big story with that, which was introduced in The Mandalorian when we saw the um, secret... Is it the Secret Council? So you've got that sort of vibe, which sort of set things up, but at the same time, they also didn't give you a lot of the stuff that you thought you were going to get. Um, I loved, um, I think I said in the last episode that I didn't think there was going to be any traitors. And I thought that the spy was, um, the character, the Imperial character who we saw at the beginning of the episode, obviously, um, warning Moff Gideon. 
Um, so I sort of stick by that, that I, you know, um, and I'm, I'm pleased that the Mandalorians banded together the way they did. Seeing them all fighting together, it, it just worked brilliantly, and it really was the story of the Mandalorians. Um, the one thing I was um, sort of thinking about is, obviously, we saw the demise of Moff Gideon, um, but at the same time, I'm thinking he's a great character. Um, could could that could there be a clone still about after that's all been destroyed? Could that be, you know, could Moff Gideon be the start of um, the um, return of Palpatine? Um, but there's so much. I think there's a long way to go. Um, obviously, we know that there's going to be more Mandalorian. Um, and then we know that it's eventually going to finish with this film with um, uh, Dave Filoni directing. Um, so in a whole, I think this has given us a taste. Um, I like the fact that this series, this season in particular as well, went differently with some of the episodes. Um, one of my favourite episodes, I think, is the one that most people said they hated. Um, but for me, it made sense and I enjoyed it. Which one's that, Mike? Um, it's the episode with um, Lizzo and Jack Black. Um, for me, it was great sort of adventure sort of episode on um, an investigation. Um, got a bit of CSI vibes with it in some ways. Um, but for me, you know, everyone said, oh, you know, you've got Jack Black and Lizzo. It was all a bit of a gimmick. But when I think about it, um, you know, in the modern age, who is better to portray like a, a royalty in the galaxy far away or, you know, than someone like um, Lizzo, who obviously is a pop star, is, is, you know, royalty in her sort of circles. And I think she played that role very well. And likewise, Jack Black. For me, he's a very good comedic comedic actor but he also played this character there was a dark edge to him still and i think he played that perfectly and it it just to me those two actors fitted the role and i don't care what they'd been in before they fitted the characters that they were playing yeah i mean quite a point you know i think you know i think the characters see it themselves in this season like you know in the in the finale you know was ahsoka going to turn up was luke Skywalker going to turn up you know, was who was going to turn up? And you know, nobody turned up, and you know, that's because the characters saved themselves. There was no need for cameos or super powerful characters, which I thought was quite a good choice. You know, these are the characters I watch week in week out. Um, you know, we, we saw Grogu save Mando, and then we saw Mando and Bo-Katan sort of save Grogu, and them all sort of save each other at the end there. Um, Moff Gideon, I what you're saying. You know, those clones sort of got destroyed, but what is the more clones of Moff Gideon? Is he dead or alive? You know, I think we've seen him get defeated once and then get arrested and then escape. Um, so, you know, for me, I think if he, if he keeps on getting out of it somehow, it, it sort of takes away the, you know, the, the, um, like the risk of it all, you know? So if, if I've got a good reason, I hope, I hope, I hope he is dead. Um, we still haven't been told how he escaped near public custody, actually. Um, although it was Mandalorian or that was found, uh, when Carson Tiva was checking that Lambda shuttle, um, in the previous episode. Um, so, you know, we still need to learn who who did that. Um, I think what you're saying, you know, about the the episode, 
you would describe one of the episodes there, the investigation one on the planet, um, when they're looking for sort of the, the droid conspiracy theories. Um, I feel this season for me was just like a full steam ahead from episode one. Like you knew what he wanted to do. Um, he wanted to go to Mandalore to, to bathe, and then you know he wanted to do what he wanted to get the the droid part for IG IG Eleven to be able to do that. And obviously ended up not doing that, but ended up getting R five instead. Then it was full steam ahead. You know, met Bogatan, got into trouble, then got involved in the Mandalorian storyline. You know. I think if you look at the two episodes that people say were maybe filler, which is the, the Coruscant Adventure, I'm calling it, you know, which is where we see uh, Dr. Pershing, you know, in the, in the in the spy sort of thing. You know, I think that's an important episode because we learn that sort of the, the you know, Moff Gideon's going back and destroying his research so other people can't see it. Um, and we also get to see sort of, you know, we learn she's a spy, which is important later on in the season. So, you know, we get some important big elements there which are important at the end of the season. So it's not filler, in my opinion. And also, you know, as they said, you know, this is meant to be about the risings of the of the First Order. You know, it's very much shown us New Republic life, which is very important to why the First Order rise as well. And then obviously, you know, that investigation episode, as you just been mentioning, Jason, you know, they go to that planet for a reason. That's because that's where the Axe Wolves and the rest of the Mandalorian fleet is. And that's what they need to get. You know, and by the end of the episode, they've got the fleet back and bo back in control. So again, you know, it's an it's an important it's an important episode for the for the season as a whole. Um, Jason, what were your, sort of your your favorite parts about the, about the finale? Um, I think the finale um, for me it was um, obviously full of action, um, but it clearly had the story. Plotting and storyline for that those two episodes, I think, were master strokes because I have to admit I got to like episode six and I was thinking how can they finish off this season with what we're all expecting to happen in a satisfactory way and I think that last episode tied up so many things you know let's face it. That episode could have been the last episode of The Mandalorian, and that could be it completely. Obviously, we know it's going to carry on, but I think over the three seasons, they told an epic story um, that really bore fruit in that last episode. Um, Seeing Grogu, obviously, um, seemingly gaining more control of his powers um was great and that last bit with the fireball and everything again it was just then we had a jedi um definitely appearing there so that for me was one of the best bits of the episode i think um because i i sort of knew with him there din jaron and bo katan were safe yeah, you know, I think I think for me, you know, Krogu in the end here, yeah, you know, especially when, you know, seeing him use that suit, you know, to, to rescue Mando. And then obviously, you know, the scary part of this is why I describe it as an emotional roller coaster, you know, when he's facing off against the uh, proletarian guards, you know, was, you know, he's, he gets knocked out of the suit. He's having to use, you know, his master of the force, his master of his force powers. It's what keeps him alive in that situation. And obviously, you know, it is it is him sort of blocking the fire, which which saves all, all three characters at the end there. Um over to you, Ian, what was your what were your favourite things about this finale? 
Uh, I did like the short uh, space battle we got with the obviously the Mandalorian light cruiser and the tie interceptors. I did like that. I thought that looked visually stunning. So I really like that. I like seeing shared space battles. I think they have figured out a way on this show to always make the ships look really, really good. So I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the big battle, obviously, between the Mandalorians and the Imperial jump troopers and all that type of thing where both satellites the dark saber. I thought it was a real highlight. I thought it was really cool. Uh, I liked the bit at the end, obviously, with the set of Mandalorian Season 4. And uh, I'm just trying to think of some other moments, to be fair. Axe Wolves, to be fair. I didn't think Axe Wolves was going to die. But then he obviously jumps out the window last minute, so I did like that. I do like that character. Uh, it was good. Uh, another moment I'd like to see as well was where they went to the underground caves and obviously realised that you can support life on Mandalore. And I thought that was a, I thought it was a really good way of putting like life back into like Mandalore with that way. So it is, it is good that there is proof that you can live on this planet. Obviously, it looks like they're going to rebuild uh, Sundari at the end. That'll be cool. Hopefully. We could see that one day, a rebuilt Sundari, which would be really cool. Obviously, I love that location from the Clone Wars, and it looked really cool. Whether they'll ever be able to get it back to that level, I don't know. But yeah, and then super intriguing at the end, the uh, the Mythosaur opens its eyes again, and I, I assume we are going to see that on screen at some point. It's funny, Seth, you know, I feel the Mythosaur opened its eyes because Grogu was reaching out with the Force and connecting with it through the Force, like... You know, we've seen Ezra do it quite a lot in um in Rebels. You know, using the Force to connect to wildlife and animals and creatures. I think we've seen Carl Kessis do it in the Jedi uh, Fallen Order video game as well. Um, so I, I don't know if you thought that it opened its eye. You know, Grogu was sort of looking down into the river, into the sea. I was the lake. Yeah. Um. So you know, maybe maybe it'll be Grogu who rides the Mythosaur in the battle. Um. Obviously, we see the dark saber. You know, will get destroyed, gone but not forgotten. Um, for me, I hope it gets it stays destroyed. For me, I think, you know, the dark saber is meant to. You know, if you got it, you're the leader of Mandalore. But it's also the reason why Mandalorians keep fighting because they fight over it. So now it's been destroyed. You know, they're, they're all united and it, and it's been destroyed now. So now it, it, it's done stopping unifying them, and now it can't be used to um, to ununify them because no one, you know, you can't fight Bo-Katan for it anymore because it's broken. So. It was quite, like quite surprising to see it break, but I'm sort of, you know, I'm glad it's gone. You know, I said gone but not forgotten. Yeah. It's got its part in history, but I think the Mandalorians, like I said, the only thing that stops the Mandalorians is infighting. And with that Darksaber now gone in the Munified, I think this is their best chance at survival and, and yeah, rebuilding the planet, as you said. Um, Ian, I don't, know if, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Darksaber being destroyed or not. Uh, the Darksaber getting destroyed, I think, was... A good move, like you said, it, it removes it off the table and removes a potential problem for Bo-Katan. Uh, I read it's sad because I do like the Dark Saber. I think it's a truly unique weapon. Well, it is a unique weapon. The only time I'd want to see the Dark Saber again is if they potentially ever told the story of uh, Tar Vizsla and how he constructed it. Obviously, we have got these three new periods, and oh, I don't know what time I don't know what time period he falls into. I'm guessing it's Old Republic. I would like to see that story of how. He came to make that. Why he chose that? Why it's a, obviously a Mandalorian thing. So yeah, I, I would. I, don't, I hope it just doesn't come back in season four and goes, "Oh, we fixed it." So yeah, no, I, I, I am happy that it's gone, and that potential chess piece is moved off the boards that potentially could be used to divide Mandalorians. Jason, what's your thoughts on the dark saber being gone? Yeah, just it made sense for the story, like you say. Um, 
it makes sense for the Mandalorians not to have it anymore um, because it does cause as many problems as it does solve them. Um, I think also it, it was quite amazing for me to see it destroyed in the way that it was by Moff Gideon, um, which just went to show, um, you know, how much he'd, he'd built this huge suit and, you know, the way he was. It was quite an interesting um, part for the character. Um, also, um, going back to what you said earlier about obviously with um, when they found that Gideon had escaped, the Beskar found on the ship. I'm assuming that that's because obviously Gideon had actually been using Mandalore as his base and that it was some of these troopers that we saw guarding him that had obviously gone to rescue him so therefore their armour may have been used um, Beskar that they'd got from Mandalore so that's that I think had sort of been wrapped up in that storyline I think Yeah, it's certainly, certainly, certainly plausible to seem so um, What are your thoughts on the Metasaur sort of being quite chilled out but being awake and obviously my thoughts are that Grogu was sort of reaching out the force to it I, I don't know what, what you thought about that Yeah, no, I had, I had the same sort of vibes um, and I think you know, that's definitely the way it was going. Um, and I have to admit, I thought, having seen the Mythosaur previously in the season, I thought we were going to get a, a more of it towards the end of the season. But I'm hoping that maybe that's just something that they're holding over for season four, um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure now that with the change of the title well with the title obviously being the mandalorian but the focus seems to have gone more to the creed of the mandalorian than the gunslinger the mandalorian um i'm i'm hoping we're going to see next season obviously bo-katan rebuilding mandalore um in in at least a couple of the episodes and maybe that'll be where we see the mythosaur come through yeah, I mean, season four hasn't been announced yet, I don't think. So um, I don't know what your thoughts are. Ian, do you think we'll definitely get a season four? I believe so, yeah. I'm sure John said that he was already writing it, so I would believe we'll get a season four. Obviously, you, you've had the tease with Mando saying he's going to hunt down Imperial Remnants. So, yeah, I believe 100% we'll get a season four. Spot on. Yeah, I think I remember seeing John Pavel saying he's wrote, he's wrote the fourth season. So though we've had nothing officially announced, the, the season's written. So that should be good. Um, Something you said, uh, Ian, about you know just how good the tie interceptors and bombers looked. I, I agree with you. I thought the interceptors and the bombers looked fantastic, dropping from that hangar and flying out. And um, I just loved how the as the um, as the Mandalorian ships went into the atmosphere. Then after that, the sort of the interceptors and bombers came out of the atmosphere, almost in like perfect synergy. Really beautiful, really beautiful cinematography and beautiful moment. Um, and yeah, Axe Wolves doing the business. Um, Absolutely, sort of keeping using the capital ship and following Bolt hands on us to a T um, as bait. And obviously, I can't, I can't believe that's the first time. Obviously, we've seen him earlier in the season. That's the first time we've seen Ty interceptors on screen since the Return of the Jedi. I couldn't believe that when I heard that the other day. Yeah, no man, it's crazy, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, just look, look, you know, Return of the Jedi, forty years old this year. Um, you know, I, I thought they looked just as good as they did then. So, you know, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um. 
So like I said, this, this shows them quite quite a few things. You know, it's destroyed the dark saber. It's um give Mandalore back to the Mandalorians. Um, one thing that's not touched in the sequel trilogy is sort of the state of Mandalore. Like, do they become part of the New Republic? I don't think they do. Or they're a standalone nation, maybe. Um, do the First Order stay away from them? Um, during that conflict, I don't know what your thoughts are, Ian, on sort of the the, the state of Mandalore come the come the, the events of the sequel trilogy. And do you think we'll find out? I do. I do remember, obviously, back in the Clone Wars, that Mandalore was a neutral system and it headed up all of the neutral systems. Uh, obviously, with the with the trouble of the Empire and that, I would believe they might join the New Republic, or at least they would be friendly to the New Republic. So I believe we will see them help the New Republic. I believe in Dave Filoni's movie, we'll see the Mandalorians help the New Republic against Thrawn and his heir to the Empire. As it comes to the sequel trilogy, it's good they left that ambiguous now because they can really just tell any story. Because there was Mandalorian fang fighters at the Battle of Exegol uh, in the Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, no, I think that they will they will be on the side of the New Republic. Whether the First Order would want to mess with them, I'm not sure. Whether the Mandalorians would allow the First Order to just come back to the galaxy, I'm not sure. It looked like when in the Rise of, it looked like in the Rise of Skywalker that they didn't have the fleet to obviously take over the galaxy. That's why the the Sith Eternal fleet was so important to them. So no, I I think I'd be super intrigued. There's so many uh, things I'd like to know about. Uh, the sequel trilogy, like Mandalorians, is Boba Fett still in charge of obviously Tatooine and all that type of stuff? So yeah, there's plenty of stuff that they can build off potentially in the Ray movie, and I think that would be a really cool time to start filling out some of the law near that fair period of time. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think if you know if Ray is rebuilding the Jedi Order and, and Grogu is around, you know, Grogu could be. If not one of Ray's students, could be certainly an affiliate of Ray, you know, someone who she knows, aware of, who checks in with. Um, so you know, where where does where does Ray visit Mandalore to check in with Grogu? You know, is that is that something that happens? Time time will tell, I suppose. Um, Jason, how do you feel? Sort of obviously, you know, set up Mandalore being back up. It's also set up, you know, with the Shadow Council. You know, the season set up sort of the the remnants. You know, we've seen uh, Hooks's dad. You know who looks like he's in charge of um, Operation Necromancer. Yeah, which to me sounds like it's probably the Emperor's cloning. Um, which that is not the operation which he has for the to brainwash the kids, is it? What Hooks ends up taking over? No, I can't remember what that's called. It was in the uh, it was in the Battlefront Two uh, campaign. I can't remember what it was called. So uh, I think I think I think I think the two different things. So. Project Resurrection, I believe it was called. Yeah, so yeah. it looks like Hooks's dad um, is is not working on the on the project that Hooks takes over, which is essentially what the FNs are, where you know they they kidnap the kids and put them into military regimented schools and, and brainwash them a bit. Um, looks like it's something called Necromancer, which to me is is all about. It's uh, it's interesting that though, because I remember yeah. in the Force Awakens, Kylo uh, Ren says to General Hooks. Uh, about clones and obviously Hooks is against that idea. I wonder if he's against that idea because his dad was for that idea. Quite possibly, quite possibly. So I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll find these things out. Um, Ian, what was sort of your your favourite episodes from this season? I like the episode three, which was uh, Minds of Mandalore. I thought that was a really good episode. I thought that was uh, really 
a really good deep dive into the law of Mandalore, obviously uh, learning about bo father. So I really enjoyed the minds of Mandalore, even the creepy eye thing that could detach it thing from the body. I don't know what that was, but no, I enjoyed that. Uh, that was one of my favourite episodes. I really enjoyed the Coruscant walkabout. I liked seeing Coruscant under the New Republic and that type of thing. That was a really cool episode. Uh, I love the last two. I love the Imperial Shadow Council scene. I really like that as someone who likes Legends post uh, Endor stuff. Seeing uh, Captain Pelion uh, in a live action Star Wars show is like crazy. Obviously, been a big fan of Air to the Empire, so hopefully he'll be back for Ahsoka. Uh, and so many great moments. Like I said, I really enjoyed a lot of the season. There's little bits of the season I didn't enjoy, but the majority of it, I really did. I really did enjoy what we got this season of Mandalorian and look forward to obviously potentially where season four could go. Speaking of the Shadow Council, you know, for me, there was a couple of couple of people missing. The last time we heard about the Shadow Council was probably during the Aftermath trilogy. Um, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, and obviously, I think, was it as a Gaddius Rax who was running it then? And obviously, yeah. Ray, Ray Sloan was a big part. You know, we didn't see Ray Sloan. We didn't see Gaddius Rax. What's yeah. your thoughts on, on those guys? I've seen a thing saying that obviously Pelion was... Um, Thrones representative on the Shadow Council, so I don't see why there's no reason uh, Brendel Hooks couldn't be Grand Admiral Ray Sloan's uh, representative on the Shadow Council. I do hope they that she's about somewhere because she's a great character. If you've read Aftermath, she's appeared in multiple stories. To be fair, she's in a New Dawn. She was in the Star Wars Squadrons uh, campaign, so I do hope they touch on that. For me as well, I like I would like to see some of the older legends, like Imperial Warlords. Just you don't have to obviously tell the story of their characters, but I would like potentially like a Warlord Zinge or a uh, uh, Admiral Dala. That that would be a really cool little tie into the Shadow Council and all that, and then tie to maybe some of the older legends fans who like those stories. Jason, obviously, I know you were a fan of the Shadow Council. Um, you think we'll see more of them in future Star Wars storytelling and, and just how much more do you want to see of them? Yeah, obviously they're gonna be an important part of the re of the rise of the new order. Um so I think I think that is where, you know, obviously Ahsoka we're gonna see the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn almost certainly. That's you know, we're pretty certain. Um from what we've been told about the film that um, Filoni's working on, um, it's going to be obviously showing us how the new order comes about through Thrawn. So I, I sort of think we've got a, a lot of storytelling still to come where we will see, you know, I think this whole season, this whole series is now going to lead us to basically see what, where how we got to the sequel trilogy um i think in some ways feloni and favreau have uh, been almost tasked with tying everything together so that in the grand scheme of things suddenly the sequel trilogy won't look quite such a mess because we're going to get the explanations as to how palpatine's brought you know been brought back um how the new order were rising in the background and you know how everything went so badly wrong for the new republic um which i think you know obviously that's also being told in 
the Andor storyline in to a certain degree where we're seeing, you know, there that obviously the rebellion being formed, but we're getting an idea of the politics. And I think what's become clear then from the episode that we saw with Pershing was that um, although the Imperials gone, a lot of the politics side of things was still very corrupt and still very much an issue. Um, so maybe, you know, that's what will then eventually bring all the issues that the New Republic have. You know, um, we know that it doesn't end great for Mon Mothma. Um, and we also know that obviously Leia sort of walked away from the New Republic because she knew that something was brewing. Um, and I think that's an interesting story that we're now going to get shown through all these different television series. I think Leah was also forced to leave because of the revelations of her father came out in the Senate as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I think, you know, if you look at... Um, you know, for me, I think anybody who's interested in the Shadow Council and found that really interesting should definitely go read the Aftermath trilogy, um, should definitely go play the Battlefront 2 campaign mode, or if you're not going to play the Battlefront 2 campaign, which I recommend doing, put it on easy mode and play it, you'll love it. Um, great fun gameplay, great story, um, short as well. Um, but if you don't want to play games, you can find it on YouTube, you can watch the, the cutscenes, I'd imagine. Um, but definitely, definitely worth playing or watching that. Blends in sort of um, what's happening with the Empire post, essentially from the Death Star blown up. Um, and then also ties in with some trilogy characters as well, and it's it's really fun. You get to play across both sides, Imperial and Rebellion slash New Republic, um, and it does go into the, sort of the First Order era from from sort of the end of Battle and Return of the Jedi to the First Order era covers, uh, which is fantastic. Ian, is there any other um, media you would recommend as someone who's interested in the Shadow Council and the sort of rise of the First Order? Do uh, the aftermath trilogy is the main thing. Obviously, you have to tell the story of. Uh... Gallius Rax, who was running the Empire from the Shadows, who the Shadow Council believed that was trying to rebuild the Empire, but in fact he was trying to tear it down through Operation Cinder. Uh, that was Palpatine's failsafe, obviously, for the Empire failing to protect their leader. Just trying to think off the top of my head if there's anything... I think Bloodline, Star Wars Bloodline's a good read. Uh, it's not really Shadow council but it's very Cloak and Dagger, First Order type stuff. Uh, that's a cool little idea. You also have the Shadow of the Sith, which ties into like maybe stuff in the unknown regions and that type of thing. Uh, and that's it. Last shot as well. Last shot by uh, Daniel Jose Older tells the story uh, of. I think it's set after a year after the Return of the Jedi. It goes into like Lando's daughter being kidnapped and all that type of stuff. So yeah, no, uh, a really. But really, there's a few couple of books there that you could read that would give you a greater perspective of what uh, the Empire was was up to in that thing. Spawn. Uh, Jason, what's your thoughts on, obviously, uh, our unsung hero, uh, Red 5, got a shine this episode? Uh, R5, absolutely brilliant. Um, it was nice to see um, the way that we had a droid now, one that Mando's trusts and that that got to take on almost the R2 role, but in his own right. Um, seeing that for me as well, um, 
one of the UK droid builders, um, James, is he's built an R5 and is famous for his R5. And seeing that in the series, um, I loved it. And um, I think it was the perfect, um, you know, the scene with the mouse droids. It reminded me of the scenes with R2 um, on, like, Geonosis and stuff like that. And it uh, it just... Having a droid back in the action made it for me. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's painting the picture of R5 as being quite a nervous and scared droid. And, you know, and then here he sort of overcomes those fears because he knows that Mando was counting on him. And he knows that Grogu's counting on him. And Mando even says, I'm counting on you. And he doesn't really push any further than that. And R5 knows, why right, I'm going to have to go get involved here and help, 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 help the guys out. And he does. So that was, I, th- I thought it was fantastic and nicely done. And, you know, it's destroyed who didn't get a chance to shine in a new hope because his motivator blew up um, before one Lars could buy him. But here we go. We've seen him do some good for our, our good guy heroes. Ian, have you got any um anything that we haven't mentioned about the finale that you want to talk about? Uh, no, nothing really off the top of my head. Like I said, majorly enjoyed it. Thought it was really cool. Liked uh, another highlight with mine was the tie interceptor. Uh, Gauntlet and one Starfighter battle in episode two or three uh, on Kalavala. That was a really cool mo- moment. That was a really well done. But no, other than that, no, nothing really to mention about the finale now. One thing I did love was that obviously at the end, um, you know, when Mando goes to see the New Republic and obviously the bounty hunter, obviously he gets to take the uh, assassin droid head, an IG head. And then we get to see, you know, IG Eleven's back, and he's now the sort of the marshal of uh, Navarro. What were your thoughts on that, uh, Jason? Obviously, seeing not just our beloved friend back, but also, you know, back with his his full memory intact by the looks of it. It it was the perfect end to the story because obviously we started off with um, Mando wanted to rebuild IG Eleven. Um, and obviously then we get IG-12 and, you know, for, to begin with, when I thought that he was initially just going to end up as Grogu's battle suit, I was a bit, oh, not sure how I feel about this. So seeing him properly back as himself um, at the end of the episode was brilliant. Perfect um, idea as well, having him as the marshal. Because who better to have to protect everyone than this droid that is a super killing machine? Um, and also, yeah, the the character again, it's another droid that is actually a character. Um, and obviously, with Taika Waititi's um, voice, um, it's always going to be a favourite. I also like the fact that um, we still see Dave Filoni sat at a bar in that episode, um, which. Um, you know, it seems uh, that's a place that I really, really want to go to. Yeah, obviously, Dave only playing the character Trapper Wolf, who's sort of Carson Teva's partner, so to speak, is X-wing squadron patrol on the outer rim. Um, you know, I thought IG Eleven great to have him back. You know, I think you know throughout the season, you know, we we you know we didn't have his memory chip, so you know they've used him. You know, became Grogu's battle suit, so he was useful there. And then obviously we're seeing back here. Um, you know, I think, you know, yes, he's a killer machine, but also this is a droid that, you know, saved Navarro back in the first season of Mandalorian. And I think the townsfolk knew that. That's why he was a statue when this season first began. 
So now this statue who everybody looked up to, who knew he sacrificed himself to save the town, um, is back as the marshal. So again, it's felt very poetic, very beautiful, um, and really, really awesome. Jason, what's your any closing thoughts on the on the episode, and then any closing thoughts on the season as a whole? Um, no, the episode I think gave us exactly what we needed, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The whole season I enjoyed, um, and you know, the other thing it gave us was um, the pirates. That was something that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I'm just a bit disappointed, really, that. Um, I didn't get to see um, Hondo in live action, um, but maybe that's for another season. Who knows? Um, but overall, I think this season gave and delivered. It finished the story off, in my mind, if they needed it to, um, although I know they're not going to. Um, so I think in doing that, they've achieved something that, that worked very well but it still left us wanting for more. Um, but I think that is why we didn't get the end credits scene, um, because I think that was a bit of a tease that um, they're going to make us wonder and deliver something with a bit more surprise next time. I mean, you've also got to think as well, you know, the Ahsoka series is the next part of the story, right? And, you know, they've the released the trailer for that, you know, a week before this episode came out. So, you know, the, the post credit scene probably would have been something to do with that trailer, which we've already had. So, you know, although they are sort of not, I like them not giving us it because it means we can wonder, but also, you know, we, we know what's next. It is the Ahsoka series. Um, we know it deals with some Republic stuff because we've seen Mon Mothma in the Ahsoka trailer. Um, we know it's sort of, sort of a Rebels continuation. Um, Thrawn's mentioned, um, and obviously Thrawn was mentioned, you know, here at the end of The Mandalorian. And Thrones we mentioned and seen in the Ahsoka trailer. So sort of we, we know the next part of the story is coming in August. Um so yeah, although I would have you know was a you know I checked as I said before, you know, I checked and waited for the post credit scene. The fact we didn't get one sort of makes sense when you fact factor in the fact we've had that Ahsoka trailer already and we know it's coming in August. Um Ian, any any closing thoughts on the season as a whole? No, like I said, really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed what it gave us. Uh, like that they went in different directions. Sometimes it's nice to go in different directions with the story. Like I said, the episode, the episode that got all the controversy with Jack Black and uh, Lizzo, uh, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was like a bit of like a Clone Wars style episode in live action. It's something that would happen in the Clone Wars with George. I probably think George will like that episode because he liked to do things that obviously were strange and off the off the, the uh, off the side path. But no, uh, other than that, really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the acting in certain places was great, and yeah, really excited to see where the story goes next with Ahsoka. We haven't got long to wait; we've only got to wait a couple of uh, three, four months until we find out. Definitely. And the, how much do we think Ahsoka's going to? I mean, Ahsoka's going to tell its own story, but like it, it's it's going to it's part of this Mandalorian. We know that, and it's going to further the Mandalorian storyline. And I imagine the Mandalorian season four will take place, you know, probably after the events of Ahsoka season one, maybe. So, like, what's your thoughts on on getting sort of a direct continuation of some of the events here, uh, Jason? Yeah, I I think it will be linked, and um, I think part of the link was obviously having Zeb there um, only briefly. Um, I think he will appear in Ahsoka in a bigger role, 
Um, and I, I just think that, you know, I think they wanted to hold back telling us too much about Ahsoka, even though everyone's got an idea of where the story's going. Yeah, I mean, I want to speak about Zeb actually quickly. Um, you know, Zeb was never a pilot from, I remember from Star Wars Rebels, and then very much he went to New Lasot to sort of be friendly there. So, yeah, we see him as a New Republic pilot now. Um, I don't know what your quick thoughts are on that, Ian, uh, before we wrap up. I remember he did he did vaguely fly in Rebels. Like I said, I wouldn't have picked him out to be like a uh, a like a uh, Starfighter pilot. However, we don't know why he was on a Delphi. Was he there doing something different besides flying a Starfighter? We don't know. He was Obviously, in a flight he, was in a, suit, wasn't he? he was in a flight too. Yeah, he was. But... Uh, It'd be interesting to see whether he might be on a different mission there. I could see him fight, uh, flying a U-Wing or something, something big and bulky. I can't really see him fitting in an X-Wing cockpit. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, him, seeing him in live action was great. I thought he looked tremendous. Oh, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he's doing at this time period. I'm, I'm more than certain that he will join the Sabine, Ahsoka and Hera on the mission to find uh, Ezra. In Ahsoka. Indeed, Nasoga is the next stop uh, for this Mandoverse, for the Mandalorian storyline, coming in August. So get ready for that. Obviously, in a future episode, we'll be talking about the Ahsoka trailer and what we are expecting from the series. Um, that wraps up this episode of Star Wars. You can find us on Twitter, at Star, and you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, at Star Wars Podcast. Um, if you listen to us on Apple Music or iTunes, well, it doesn't matter, let's wrap up the thing in there. There we go. Hello, Star Wars listeners. This is Savannah Odit. You might know me as host of the Dorky Diva Show with my co-host Brian Balance. I am also producer of The Adventures of the Zolan Dart, which is a Star Wars-inspired audio drama that we produced over the last year. If you love stories uh, about smugglers, courage, heroic characters, and maybe a few foes along the way, you should go to thedorkydivashow.com and listen to The Adventures of the Zolan Dart today. Shao, we've got your pigs. Were any of the critters harmed? What did you do now? I didn't do anything. I just freaked out for no reason. It was nice doing business with you again. Maybe next time we could deliver something less... Temperamental. <laughs> now, what you call temperamental, I call fun. Hey, is there a place nearby where I can make some repairs? Uh, oh yeah, three clicks south of here, you'll find a small spaceport. Uh, they, they should have what you need, as long as it's nothing too big. Dynamic class? My stars, you don't hear about many of those still being spaceworthy. It's been in my family for a while. She's pretty great. Uh, any chance you have a hovercart we can use to load up? I'll check out the holonet to see if anything new has come up in the sector. My name is Sereth Khan. I am the chief here on Gamai. My people and I have been experiencing food shortages as of late due to unforeseen natural occurrences. We are looking to hire someone. I say we take this one. The pay is great and it's the type of job we're familiar with. Welcome, welcome. You must be Captain Otoa. I've already sent word to Pak to expect you in the next cycle or so. You told him we were coming before we even accepted the job. That's rather presumptuous, isn't it? Uh, perhaps, though once I received confirmation that you were interested and on your way here, I couldn't help but hope. 
Fair enough. Well, we'll be back as soon as we can. Well, that's not good. Is that blaster fire right here? Ah, so you're the one. Captain, it sounds like they want to do this the hard way. <laughs> I love when they got some fight in them. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. We're about to have a lot of company. I'll see you soon. <laughs>